Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. Second Chronicles 7, 14. He said, if my people, well, we're his people, so he's talking to us. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So this verse has healing in it, doesn't it? And we... uh, in our previous studies, we've gone back several verses and shown you that, see, he, he mentioned pestilence previously. And pestilence means plagues. So he's definitely talking about physical sickness and problems. And when he says healing, he's referring back to those things. And the principles are the same whether you're talking about a nation or an individual. But did you notice he said he would hear, he said he would forgive, he said he would heal. Those are things he does. What's the first thing he told us to do? Humble ourselves. I think so many times the folk are not careful, they skip over that part and go to the pray part. And go to the seek God part. And go to the confession part. You understand? Or the lay hands on part. You know what I'm talking about. And all these are good and all these are right. But you, you need to understand that you can pray, pray, and pray. But if you don't humble your heart before the Lord, you can pray without contacting God. That you can confess, confess, confess. But if you don't humble your heart, if your heart's not right, things won't be right. You won't be effectual in what you're doing. What's the first thing he told us? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And as we've said, you know, we're looking at scriptures previously this week over in James, the fourth chapter. What did he say? That God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, I don't care what it is you need. The first and foremost thing you need is grace. If you need healing, you need grace. You need grace to see what belongs to you. You need grace to be able to receive. You need grace to make any adjustments that you need to make. Grace, grace, grace. We emphasize our faith, and that's good and right, but there's something that comes before your faith, and that's the grace of God. If it hadn't been for the grace of God, you wouldn't even know how to believe God. You wouldn't even have any revelation. You wouldn't have any opportunity. It's all by the grace and through faith. And who gets the grace? The humble. So if you want more grace, what should you be? More humble. And we have looked at cases of how people humbled themselves and got healed this week. We studied over in Matthew 15 about the Syrophoenician woman. How she humbled herself again and again and again and she got the results. We talked about how so many times people, you know, they get offended, they get miffed, they get angry. All these things are expressions of pride. They get upset and they tell people off. They give people a piece of their mind. They straighten people up and leave, having said their peace, and leave without. Without. How many times folk have, they've had their say, and they they told somebody off, but they, they, they have no idea what it cost them. It robbed them. They missed out on the blessing. We studied about Naaman, the Syrian, how he almost missed his healing. He was too proud to accept the word through a servant instead of the main man, you see. He was too proud to go in a muddy enemy river and and dip himself. 
But he managed to overcome that. Amen. And that's why his story is in the book. And if you can overcome yours, you can have testimonies. Amen. And you need to understand, we're not talking about something that might apply to two or three or four people in the audience today. Every one of us has pride. I'm not confessing that, Brother Keith. Hey, that's the way it is. Pride and selfishness is the nature of your flesh. Do you understand? It'll be with you all the days of your life. I know that don't bless you. You don't get folks shouting on that. But it's true. But you see, you've got to know it to deal with it properly. You've got to know every day of my life, I'm going to have selfishness and pride come up. The issue is, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to yield to it or am I going to put it under and walk in the Spirit? Amen. Am I going to walk in, am I going to yield to the flesh and walk in selfishness and walk in pride or am I going to walk in the Spirit and yield to the Spirit and walk in humility and walk in love? It's a decision. And we make many such decisions every day of our lives. And it's decisions we'll continue to have to make throughout our life. Yesterday we talked about Job. Not a very traditional approach to Job. But uh, I believe it to be correct. Amen. And we see Job had to repent. And we see that he had to repent over some self-righteousness and over some pride and over some accusations. And when he was able to make some adjustments, he got healed. But uh, Matthew thirteen fifteen had said this. You don't have to turn there. But he, he quoting from Isaiah. And this portion of scripture is quoted some half dozen plus times. Same verse. Quoted and requoted and requoted throughout the Bible. That the prophet Isaiah, he said that their eyes they have closed, their ears are dull of hearing, and their heart that they've waxed gross, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, which means to be changed or turned around, and I should heal them. Do you see in connection with healing, you need to see, you need to hear, you need to understand, and oftentimes when you see, hear, and understand, that light shows up areas that you need to convert. You need to make some changes, and then when you can make the changes or make the adjustments, then God can heal you. Manifest His power in your body, you see. It's what I call the change factor. So many times folk don't realize it, but if you're wanting changes on the outside, you're wanting changes in your body, you're wanting changes in your pocketbook, you're wanting changes in a relationship, you're wanting changes in your ministry, you're wanting changes out here, changes happen first in here. You make changes inside, then changes start working outside. Things happen first in the spirit, then they happen in the natural. Can you say amen? amen. Now, what I want to do today is I want us to actually go into the different aspects of humility and pride. Because, you know, we've talked around it and here and there all week, but, but let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty about this old P word. Amen. What is pride? What is humility? How can I tell how much pride is evident in my life? How can I see and get myself to see how much of that ugly stuff is really evidenced in my life right now? Well, I'm going to share some things with you. And if you'll listen to it honestly, you can have a pretty good picture. 
Now, you may not like your picture, but you've got to see it first before you can make changes and strides and grow. Can you say amen? amen. That's why I said, you know, you, you may wonder for it's over with whether you're glad you came or not. But I think when it's all said and done, you'll be glad. Because uh, what happens with the humble? Get more grace. They get healed. They receive. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due time He will exalt you. He'll promote you. He'll bless you. All oh, the benefits of humility go on and on and on and on. Amen. Amen. So it's worth whatever effort we would need to make to grow therein. First of all, let me remind you of something we had said to you. Uh, go with me over to Romans, the 12th chapter, if you would, please. Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. I had said to you, among other things, that pride is the result of believing lies about yourself. Okay? Pride is the result of believing lies about yourself, of having an untrue, incorrect perception of yourself. You're believing lies. You're believing something about yourself that's not true, not right. In Obadiah 3, you don't have to turn there. I, I'll, I'll get with you in Romans in just a moment. But in Obadiah 3, he said, just one chapter in Obadiah, third verse. He said, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Pride deceives you. We talked about, you know, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, understand with your heart. The more, the more pride you have in you, that's the blinder you are. It's the deafer you are. It's the duller you are. The more humble you are, the more clearly you can see, the more keener you can hear, the more sensitive your heart is to understand. He said, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Over in Daniel 9, it talks about pride hardening the mind. Nebuchadnezzar's mind was hardened because of his pride. Now, in, in the New Testament, Romans 12, we see a good expression of what we're talking about here. Romans, the 12th chapter, you know it. It's a frequently quoted verse in charismatic circles, and it's, it's, it ought to be. But verse 3, Romans 12, 3. He said, for I say through the grace, grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, a lot of times in talking about this, we'll take this verse and, and say, well, you know, we all have faith to believe for healing and faith to to believe for our needs to be met. That, there's some application here. But primarily, he's talking about faith for life and service. And faith for filling your place in the body. He immediately goes on in verse 4 to say, we, we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. He's talking about the body, members, filling your place. And he's primarily talking about faith to fill your place. Faith to function in ministry and service in the body of Christ. And notice what he said. He said, it's through the grace given to me. I say to every man, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think soberly. Now, I, I particularly like the Williams translation of this. The Williams translation. It, it says this, uh, for every man, 
not to estimate himself above his real value. Don't estimate yourself above your real value. Another translation said this, but take a sane estimate of your capabilities. <laughs> now, a lot of times, here's where, people, here's where people make a mistake. He did not say, don't think highly of yourself. He did not say that. He said, don't think more highly of yourself than what's true. There's a big difference there. I see people get, usually get in the ditch on one side or the other, don't they? People get in the ditch on one side. I can't do anything. I don't have anything. I'm not worth anything. You see, no opinion of their self, no sense of value, no sense of worth, no confidence. And they're no good to, to the Lord and not much good to anybody. Or people get all the way in the ditch on the other side of the road and they think, I'm everything. I can do everything. I'm the most wonderful person on the planet. You understand what I'm saying? What did he say? He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. In fact, you know, over in Philemon, he said uh, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You should acknowledge good things that are true. But where do you get into pride? When you're believing things about yourself, they're not true. That's when you're in pride. You're believing lies. You're being deceived. You're, you have an overly high estimate of yourself, of your abilities, of your gifts, of your graces, of your experiences, of your place, your position. You're above, in your opinion of yourself, you're above where you really are. That's pride. Well, humility would be the opposite of that. Humility is reality. Living in the reality of what is and what I am and where I am. In ministry and place. Now, I'm going to give you for the next few moments some things that I searched for for years. Years ago, I, I saw how big of an issue this thing was. In fact, before I ever came to Ramah, before I ever really know, knew much of anything about the Lord, just as a, as a teenager, I knew I was saved. Knew God, I prayed, talked to him, he was real to me. I was reading in the scripture one day, and I got to the verse, I believe it's over in Numbers. And I read in the verse, it said, Now Moses, the man, was meek above all the men on the face of the earth. I got to that verse. And I mean, the Spirit of God came on me, spoke to me, just a, a boy, just a teenager. He spoke to me and he said, did you notice that Moses was the meekest man in his generation? Meekest man on the face of the earth. Meekest. Humblest, you see, and meekest. Yeah. He said, did you also notice Moses was the most used man in his generation? I saw it. I wrote that down, stuck it on my desk. Had it for years. Now Moses, the man, was meek above all men on the face of the earth. And the Lord, as years went by, the Lord began to show me the same thing about person after person. He said, uh, 
He talked to me about David. He talked to me about John the Baptist. He talked to me about Paul. He talked to me about Jesus again and again and again. Meek, humble. You know, Paul said things like this. He said, I'm less than the least of the saints. I consider myself to be the least of the apostles. Is he trying to be humble? No, he believes that. He's not just saying things. That's his estimate of himself. And yet he turned around and say, but I labored more abundantly than all of them. Why? Yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. You understand? These, these things are so important. If you want to be used, you've got to humble your heart. Because God gives his grace to the humble. In God's kingdom, greatness in the kingdom of God and humility are inseparable. In God's kingdom. I say in the kingdom of the world, you can push and shove your way and step on other people and get to the top. But in God's kingdom, the way up is down. You know what I mean by that? Humble your heart. Bow before the Lord. Humble your heart. The way up is down. Humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Abase yourself, you'll be promoted. Amen? But see, that's not the nature of your flesh. The nature of flesh is promote me. Amen. Lift me. I mean, if your flesh had its way, you'd be the head of, of your friends and everybody you know today. In a few days, you'd be the head of your church and your community. In a few days, you'd be the head of the state, the head of the country, the head of the world, and you'd be looking for other planets to dominate. If your flesh had its way, your flesh never gets too much promotion and attention. Never. I said, your flesh. Yours. And mine. Flesh is flesh. So what do you got to do with it? Crucify, mortify, put it under, deal with it. Right? But... The Lord began to show me, and, and I got some even clearer insight today, just today, waiting on the Lord, about how to see. You know, I realized, well, yeah, I understand. Humility is such a great key. In fact, uh, you know, the limitations of your usefulness to God are determined by the degree of your humility. I saw that. But I then realized, I don't really know what pride is. You got you got to see things before you can grow. So I begin a search to find out what is this ugly stuff, and how do you develop in humility, and you can get pieces here and there, and get things here and there that you can see. And I want to share several things with you today that's taken me years to see. And I, I know we hadn't seen the half of it yet, but this helps. Every every little bit you see helps. Amen. Here's some acid tests. <laughs> to discover just how much pride's evidenced in your life. The first area to check on you and in you is your mouth. Check your mouth. If you want to find out how much humility am I walking in, how much pride am I exhibiting, check your mouth. Now, there's a verse that's helped me in this area as much as any verse I know of, and it's John 7, 18. I want you to turn there and look at it. Read it with me. It helps me constantly in this area. 
And I trust if you see it, it'll help you. John 7. <clears throat> you want me to see if I got another sermon up here? Or we want to go on with this. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we started. We might as well finish, you know. Yeah. John 7. John 7. Verse 14. Now, in the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled and said, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? They said, You know, how does this man talk like this? He didn't go to school. He never graduated a seminary, Bible school. He, he never studied, you know, the writings of this one or that one. He's a carpenter's son. How can he talk like he talks? You know what a lot of folk would have said at this point? A lot of men, see, he's a minister. A lot of ministers would have said at this point, if they'd have heard people with doctrine of divinities, doctorates of literature and doctorates of divinity, talking about uh, country boy, farm boy, you know, ranch boy, whatever, carpenter's son. Man, listen to the way that guy talks. Where'd he learn that? Where'd he get all those things? How does he talk like that? And if they'd asked him, you know what a lot of folk would say? Well, brother, you got to pay the price. Got to burn the midnight oil. <laughs> you see, while other folks playing around, I'm studying. While other folks goofing off, I'm praying and fasting. <laughs> Got to pay the price. And don't misunderstand me. The Bible said study. And you ought to read and you ought to pray and seek God. And put your flesh under. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Do you understand that Jesus never took credit for one sermon he preached? Never took credit and never took the glory for one message he brought, for one revelation he brought? If you go on and finish reading, you know, the whole account of John here, again and again and again, he would say, uh, I don't speak my own words. I don't do my own will. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do, the Father in me. He does the works. These are his words. These are his works. Jesus never took credit for one healing that happened in his ministry. He never took credit for one deliverance. He never took credit for one miracle. Not one. Never. He always said, the Father, the Father, the Father. I'm just saying what he told me. I'm just doing what he showed me. Are you listening? You learn something about humility from the greatest example of humility. The master himself. Amen. And then he said this in verse 18. He said, He that speaketh of himself seeketh what? His own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. 
Well, that verse has helped me immeasurably and stays with me all the time. He that speaks of himself is seeking whose glory? His own. Now, that, that phrase means he that speaks from himself as a source, and I believe you can also see he that speaks of himself as a subject. Speaking from yourself as your own source and speaking of yourself as a subject. So to check yourself to see how you're doing and how, how, you know, where you're at in these areas, check your mouth. Check your mouth. Are you always talking about yourself? Are you unhappy unless you're the center of attention? Are you listening? Are you always talking about you and yours? Through, through the last several years that I've been in the ministry, it's amazing how many people I've had come to me to talk to me. And the main thing they wanted to tell me is their opinion, their experiences. I've had people who stop me and say, you know, Brother Keith, God uses me in all nine gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> Brother Keith, let me tell you how God uses me. Let me tell you about my experiences. Let me tell you, let me tell you. Now see, I said, you know, examine your mouth. What are you talking about? We know if you're talking of you, you're seeking your own glory. But then you have to ask yourself the question, why am I talking of me? And why am I telling them about my experiences and about my whatever? Why am I telling them that? Am I really telling them that to bless them? To help them? Are you listening? No. Why, why are you telling them? You're telling them that to impress them with you. You understand? Seeking to impress people is pride. You understand that? Have you ever tried to impress anybody? <laughs> if you said no, or implied no, then right now you're trying to impress us with your spirituality. <laughs> Yeah? Well, this pride stuff is subtle stuff, isn't it? Oh, it's subtle. I've yielded to it. You've yielded to it. Person in front of you and behind you and to your left and to your right has yielded to it. We're all in the same boat. We might as well just fess up and say, hey, here am I, Lord. Help me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh boy seeking to impress is pride manifestation of pride you know doing things to be seen of men doing things to be noticed you know the Bible talks about the pride of life remember that over in 1st John pride you know lust of the flesh lust of the eyes pride of life what is the pride of life 
It's just what we're talking about. This desire to be noticed and seen. See, in this old world we live in, image is everything. Hmm? How I come across, how I look, how people perceive me. And it doesn't make any difference if there's no substance, just have a good front. You know, to the world, you know, they never ask about if you got anything at home. It's just how you look when you come out the door and how you act. You know, to some people, being out in public is just full-time strenuous. (laughs) Maintaining the front. Projecting the image. And as soon as they can get home, they go, oh. Oh, God, it's so good to be home. Strip off everything and all their false junk and just be them. (laughs) What makes people do that? Pride. Pride. That's why folk tell lies, too. To impress. And we're not just talking about down at the disco. We're talking about in the foyer of the church. Folk telling lies to one another to impress one another about their spirituality. Stretching the truth. Leaving the wrong impression. Omitting important parts of the story. And adding some extra chapters that weren't there. What makes folk do that? Pride. Pride. Ugly, stinking pride. And what does God do with the proud? Resists them. The Bible said the proud, in the Psalms, the Bible said the proud God knows afar off. God doesn't like pride. He hates it. You know, you know why God hates pride so much? It, it has to do with falseness. And God is truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And I'm telling you, if you know anything about the Holy Ghost, He gives new definition to the word real. He is real. He is genuine. He is reality. He hates lies. And He hates any kind of pretension or falseness. He hates it. He despises it. It's an abomination to Him. You see, pride was what was found in Lucifer in the beginning. It's what he breathed into our parents in the garden. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but see, in the portion of Scripture there in Genesis where he said to them, you know, it looked good, it looked like it'd be good to eat, it looked good to the eyes, and notice what? A tree to be desired to make one wise. And the devil implied to them, yeah, God told you that, but he's just telling you, know, you'll die, stay away from the tree. He knows in the day you eat, you'll be enlightened, you'll be like God. There's an implication there, you won't really need him like you do now. You won't be as dependent on him, see. you, you And see, that's, that's the stuff that got him in trouble to begin with. I will be like the Most High. I will exalt myself. He breathed that nasty stuff into our first parents, and they sinned and failed. And then because of that, and all of you and all of us, you and I have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that stuff's got into our flesh, in the nature of our flesh, pride. But praise God, we're a new creature in Christ. And we've got the right nature inside us. 
And we can live out of that nature and dominate the outer nature and walk as spirit men, even though we've got this flesh to contend with. We can keep it under, but you've got to recognize it first. You've got to recognize it and then grab it and do something with it. Hold it under. The desire to impress. I remember when I was a boy, you know, just got, just got old enough to get my license and what have you. My daddy got me a nice looking Mustang. I'd spent all day polishing that thing. All day. I mean, my mother said, son, you're going to wash the paint off of that thing. You, you spend too much time with it. I'd tune the engine until the exhaust note was just right, crisp. And I'd, you know, put my T-shirt on, roll up my sleeve, put on the right tape, go to town, and go around the square, you see, at the right place where you knew folk could be. And when you drove around, you wouldn't look at them, you see. You wouldn't look at them. Just hang your arm out the window, pull around, sit at the light, race the engine a time or two. Not too much. You know, kind of glance over. Well, what are we talking here? Pride. Want to be seen. Oh, what? Everything is geared to what? People noticing me, looking at me, being impressed with me. And that's flesh. <laughs> you know, folk can do the same thing. They can get dressed just right. Accessories just in the right place. Just the right combination. Hold their Bible just right. <laughs> During the service, they can pray in tongues and they can sing song just right and motion their hand just right. <laughs> and pray and just happen to quote exactly the right things the right time. And see, do you understand that if you're praying... Are praising, whatever. And if you're thinking about if people are hearing you and watching you, you're not in the spirit. <laughs> I notice this. If I'm praying publicly or praising publicly, the more in the spirit I am, the more oblivious I am to other people and to time. You know, I've heard folks, you know, heard Brother Hagin talk about, you know, a lot of times he walks when he prays. A lot of times he'll walk around with his eyes open, you know, pray. And that's all, that's good, that's fine. And I see other folk, you know, that have about 55 years less experience than him. <laughs> and they're doing just like he does, you know. And you can tell, dear Lord. They're looking at everything and everybody and rattling around in tongues. And they're no more in the spirit than anything. A lot of folk, they need to get down and put their nose in the floor and close their eyes 
and tune in to what they're doing and get their mind. Now, I've noticed me a lot of times if I get more in the spirit, I can get up. And I, can, I can be looking across the room, but you don't you hardly see anybody. But a lot of times you don't start out like that. You understand what I'm saying? But the more conscious you are of other people, what they're doing, and if they're noticing what I'm saying, if they're hearing how I'm praying. You know, people are looking around thinking, I wonder if they hear me. I'm really doing it now. Oh, boy. I wonder if they notice this. Yeah, look at it. You're not in the Spirit. <laughs> the more in the Spirit you are, the less you even think about such things. You don't, you, the less you even think about whether people are hearing you or noticing you. Okay? Same thing with praising God. I, I've been standing beside folk before and then be singing praises. And I know they were singing for my benefit. <laughs> Every once in a while I kind of glance over you like, Brother Keith, you didn't know I could sing this good, did you? <laughs> well, we better move on. I... This is, getting, this is getting a little sticky here. But speaking of yourself reveals pride. Do you see it? How do you handle being ignored? These things help show how much pride. How do you handle being ignored? Ignored. Not even noticed. Nobody paid any attention to you. You came in. Nobody noticed. <laughs> you see? If you didn't have such a desire to be noticed, it wouldn't bother you so much. You could float in, float out, and whether anybody's noticed you or not, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to you. If you just go in there for them to notice you, then you went for the wrong reason anyway. How do you handle being ignored? Helps you locate the pride. How do you handle it? How do you deal with it when you look bad in front of other people? Boy, just any other time, except when you're around them. But it came out. You look bad in front of them. How do you handle it? A lot of times, folks handle it with intense embarrassment. Did you know that embarrassment can be a manifestation of pride? Yeah. Why did you get so embarrassed? Because you were trying to project some image, maybe that was beyond reality. And then when it didn't pan out, you're embarrassed. I am so embarrassed. Why? 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 I, I, I've gone out to dinner with folk before. I remember a situation, folk took us out. And uh, we were sitting there, and the waitress got messed up real bad on the orders that they were she's supposed to bring. Me, you know, mixed it up, brought the wrong thing, didn't bring the right thing, wasn't cooked right either. It was just, you know, really messed it up. And this person was trying to have everything just right, you know, all the ducks in a row. And boy, this messed it up. And they took it like a personal bad reflection on themselves. And boy, their face turned red and their ears got red. And boy, they talked bad to that waitress. 
They didn't know that, but I was not impressed with that. You ever worked with the public before? Hmm? I have. Because I have, a lot of times if folk like that mess up, I just say, looks pretty good, fine, leave it, that'll, be, that'll do. If you like some slack once in a while, give some. Amen. At least, or if you need to make some change, at least be nice about it. Amen. I've seen people before that they wouldn't be generous and they wouldn't share what they had because they were embarrassed about how little they had. They would actually, you know, maybe somebody needed a place to stay. Somebody needed a meal. Somebody needed something. And they felt like they ought to help them. But they didn't. Because they were too embarrassed to take them home with them and let them see how they live and where they live. Because, see, they, they tried to project an image that they had more than what they did. You understand what I'm saying? And not even share, not even share what they had. I grew up in the South. And my granddad was, you know, known for saying this. He said it all the time. He said, well, such as it is, you're welcome to it. <laughs> he used to tell us boys, peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> but such as it is, you're welcome to it. And, you know, people would come over and, and they did, had a little bitty house. Like two, two rooms with a bed in it. And they're occupying one of them. And here's, you know, eight people with four kids. And they say, y'all stay the night. <laughs> and they did. They put a pallet on the floor. People sleep on the floor. And you got people nowadays, they won't even invite people for anything because they don't have this and they don't have that, this little thing or that little thing, you know, and they're too embarrassed. Or whatever. What is that? What is that? It's pride. Pride. And it can apply with spiritual things. People think just because I can't quote the scripture exactly right, or just because I can't sing like somebody else, or just because I can't do this, then they're not going to do anything. Or just because I don't know how to flow in the Spirit as good as this one or that one, then I'm not going to try. Why? Because what's their big deal? They can't bear the thought of messing up in front of somebody and looking bad and falling on their face. Well, friend, you just won't be used. You just won't be used. You've got to do what you can where you are. I tell you, the Lord baptized me in this early on. When I first came out to Raymond, I had banged around on the piano some, you know. I knew some chords. But then I said, well, I'll take some lessons and get somebody to show me some progressions. And I took just a few, and immediately I saw everything I know is wrong. So I'm having to learn which finger to go where. And, you know, I just started in that, and I'm working with healing school. And they come over and tell me, well, Brother Keith, you need to do the music. I thought, I, thought, I told him, I said, you know, you don't understand. I can't play. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, maybe you can't do as good as you'd like to, but we want you to go. I said, oh, you don't understand. I don't mean I can't play very well. I mean, I can't play. <laughs> but there was no talking them out of it. You're the man. It's your class. You set it up. You play. You do the music. 
And so here I am, trying to remember which finger goes on what key. Dun, 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 trying to sing and remember the words. Oh, missed another one. Ha! Ah. And, and I'd look out. I'd look out sometimes. You know, we were usually over in SDC1. I'd look out over the group and look over here. And this guy, I know he's got a degree in music. Here's a, here's a lady over here. I've heard her play. Lord, just, you know, master musician. Oh, look over there. That's brother so-and-so. Have you heard how he sings? Man, he can virtually break glasses. I mean, he hits all the notes. And even though I wasn't as very developed, I always had a good ear so I could hear every note I missed. I could hear every, I could hear it all. But that was good for me. Good for me. I just finally had to forget about brother and sister so-and-so and singer so-and-so and player so-and-so and said, hey, this ain't their job, it's my job, and I'm doing the best I can. Here we go. The Lord knew what I could do when he put me here. I'll do what I can right now, and I purpose to improve. And the more I did it, the more the Lord helped me. And we improved and developed. Amen. You've got to be willing to take what little you have. Humble yourself. Do the best you can. Other people laugh at you, well, let God deal with them, you know. You know. Thing is, what are they doing with what they've got? You know you're doing the best you can with what you've got. The Lord will be pleased with you. They'll have to answer to the Lord for what they're doing with what they've got. Do you promote yourself? Or do you wait on the Lord to promote you? Do you put yourself forward? Do you sell yourself? The Bible said, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. The Bible said, not he that commends himself is approved, but who the Lord commends. It said, don't lift up your horn on high and don't speak with a stiff neck. For promotion comes neither from the east, the west, nor the south. God is judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due time. Do you understand due time is always later than your flesh wants? Yeah. Yeah. Due time is later than what your flesh wants. Don't, don't try to promote yourself. Don't try to push yourself. Don't praise yourself. Don't sell yourself. Don't extol your virtues. My mom used to always tell me, it's a good little, good little parable. I've heard it said other ways, but she, said, she always said it like this. She said, son, he that tooteth his own horn, it shall not be tooted. <laughs> I got the point. Now, I know the world says if you don't toot your own horn, nobody will. That's the world. We're not of the world. Amen. In the Proverbs, it says this as well. It says, it's not good to eat much honey. And so for a man to seek his own glory is not glory. You know what happens if you eat too much honey? Make you sick. You know what, if you talk too much about yourself? It'd make you sick. And it'd make other people sick too. <laughs> yes, it will. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. You want to go on or you want to just stop right here? Can you take any more? All right. All right. <laughs> we said your mouth is the first place to check. We've been talking about all these things have to do with your mouth. Here's a second major area. And that is your response. How you respond in different situations, different settings. How you respond shows your degree of humility or your degree of pride. One great example of this is how do you respond when you're being taught or corrected? How do you respond? A lot of folk just are not teachable. A lot of folk, you know, any time that any correction comes at all, they get mad, they get upset, they say, you're always on my case. When the trouble is, they're never willing to take any correction. And anytime any correction comes up, it's always a fuss. Always an argue. Always get defensive. Are you listening? Always get hurt. Cry. Get mad. Always make excuses. What's motivating all that? Pride. Y'all said you wanted to go on now. It seemed like a lot of folk had never heard of the words, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> Boy, things could be over so much quicker if folk could learn how to say those little phrases. But no, they're going to cry, they're going to get mad, they're going to get kick and fuss and sometimes cuss. And just have a big blowout problem. When a lot of times in their heart they know they're wrong. But their pride won't let them just humble themselves and say, You're right. I'm wrong. I missed it. No excuse. Should have done better. Did you hear making excuses? It's pride. How many times folk do? Well, I, I know I messed up, but, 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 but you see, sister so-and-so, and, and so-and-so wouldn't help me, and, and but, and but, and but. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Lord, but I tell you, you're not even talking to Him like that. You understand? He just won't even hear it. You just waste it. He won't regard vanity. You're just talking in the air. You're wasting your breath. If you want to deal with Him, you've got to be real. Because see, you, you can't snowball Him. He knows your heart. He can cut through all the junk. He sees right in your heart. You better not make any excuses. You better just fall on your face and say, no excuse. I missed it. I judge myself. I confess it. I ask for your mercy. And he can see in your heart and see if you mean business about making the change too. Did you know, a lot of times folk don't really know what repentance is. You know, people can come in the altar and cry like a baby and never repent. Did you know that? Cry and cry and cry. Never repent. You understand? You know what repent means? Repent means to turn. Like to turn from one thing to something else. To make a change. You know, a lot of folk, when they get in trouble, oh, they cry. And they're sorry. 
So they got caught. Sorry, they got caught. I read a story a while back. A guy was uh, running an illegal race. He had a cross-country race, and he was racing. And he was flying through a state, and they caught him. I mean, he's doing like 140. They caught him. Threw him in jail. Let him sit there all night. Next morning, they were going to, you know, interrogate him something. They sit him down. They said, you have any remorse over what you've done? Have any remorse about this situation? He said, yeah, tons. They said, what? He said, I was ahead when you caught me. <laughs> That's the remorse a lot of folk have that, you know, they just saw they got caught. God knows when your heart changes. And a lot of times other people that are spiritual, they know too. You know? You know, I've had people I've dealt with before, you know, and the first thing they just started boo-hooing and crying. The Bible says, you know, on some occasions you should weep with those that weep. But there are other occasions when there are tears of deception. You just look right through them and you say, hush. What are you going to do with this? You understand what I'm saying? And the Lord knows your heart. How do you handle being taught? How do you handle being corrected? Can you admit to somebody that they're right and you're wrong? Can you admit to somebody that they know something you don't know? And here's a good one. Can you show impression? And we talked previously about trying to impress people, but can you show impression? I'll have, to, I'll have to explain that, I see. <laughs> Can you show impression? Can you show that you are impressed with someone else? Now, I don't mean in a negative way, but in a positive way. Some of the most humble people I know, they're so refreshing to be around. Because they don't try to impress you. And if they find something they like about you, they don't mind saying it. And if you, if, you, if you have something that you share with them that they didn't know, they'll let you know they didn't know it. They'll go, you know, if you're sharing something with them that's good and, 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 and from a right heart, you see, and they see it and they go, praise God, you know, I never saw that. That's excellent. And I see a lot of folk, you could share something with them that's just toe-curling revelation to them. You know what I mean by that? And, uh, and they look at you and go, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> now, you know, I, I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> are, you, are you get something that they've always wanted? They think it's the greatest thing around. And they look at, they look at, look at it and they go, yeah, that's all right. You just make it like it's no big deal, you know. I, I don't care about that, you know. When inside they're going, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Humility will go ahead and open your mouth and go, wow. That's great. No, I never thought of that. That's excellent. That's super. That's wonderful. <laughs> D. 
Do you, you have trouble admitting that to people? You have trouble letting that be expressed? You say, well, that's pride. 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 Show impression. You see something you like, you see something that impresses you, you see something that blesses you, don't try to act, you know, so aloof that you're not affected by it. Express it. Different people are, are different. They're going to express things differently, all right. But you understand what I'm saying? Go ahead and say, man, praise God. You know, I never, I never, in fact, that answers some questions I had. I, I, I had never seen that like that. So it takes a degree of humility to do that. You know? You'll find this one particularly applicable among ministers. <laughs> you know? You find it applicable among Rhema students. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've watched Rhema students before. They get around, something come up, they don't even talk about it. Because they're afraid if I say something, then you realize how little I know about it. And so they just kind of tiptoe around something and don't. When, when they could be enjoying each other's company so much more. You know? Don't want to admit that I don't know where that's said in the Bible. Don't want to admit that I don't know what that word means. Don't want to admit. Don't want to admit. But you know, I don't care who you're talking about. For every verse that a person that you know can quote, there are thousands they can't quote. All right? Yeah. And for everything you know, there's all kinds of things you don't know. And humility can show it and express it. Now, I don't mean you go around talking how ignorant you are all the time. I don't mean that. But, but I just mean that you, uh, you can show that somebody knows something you don't know. You can admit it. You can acknowledge it. You can be glad about it. When somebody says something that's a blessing and informative to you and helpful to you, you can acknowledge it and, and say, that's great. I appreciate it. Man, that, that helps me. That helps me. Can you show impression? Can you show impression? See, a lot of people, their envy and jealousy won't let them show impression. Somebody gets a new dress, that's the one they wanted. But they couldn't afford to get it. They look at that new dress, and uh, I've seen people bless their hearts, you know. Just seething, you know. And, and this person says, oh, look at my new dress. Don't you like it? And they go, oh, yes, that's, that's nice, dear. Or find fault with it. Well, you know, I looked at that, but you know, I, I saw that this side over here, I didn't really, you know, the way it's made, I... <laughs> oh, you, you see people, you know, they go to buy this particular thing, and they wanted the super deluxe model. They couldn't afford it. They had to get the strip version. So they got the strip version. That's all they could get. And then their friend or their buddy got the super deluxe version. And so they're looking at theirs and they go, you know, yeah, yeah, that, that super deluxe version is nice. But you know, really, <laughs> it's a standard version when you really look at it all, you know, it's really the better thing. When in their heart they're going, I wish I had that super deluxe model. And here, here's a serious note. That kind of thing will keep you from prospering. That kind of thing will keep you from being blessed. 
See, your confession's all wrong. Your believing's all wrong. You ought to look at the other one and say, man, you know, I thank God for the one I got. But uh, I'm believing to have one like yours. That's humility and that's faith. Did you hear me? You know, it's hard a lot of times to share your blessings with other people. There's not a whole lot of people that you can really rejoice with about things. There's been several things throughout the years, you know, the Lord bless us, you know, and I start to tell somebody, Lord, check me. Mm-mm, don't. Don't. Well, why? Why won't people, you know, rejoice with me? They won't rejoice. They'll be envious. And it's true. I've, I've made a mistake in those areas sometimes before. But, you know, I had a fellow was working with me some years ago in healing school, and the Lord blessed me with a certain thing. And we were enjoying it, you know, and he, he found out about it and saw it. And then he shouted. Glory to God, he shouted a lot more than I did. <laughs> Just praise the Lord, you know. Finally come down, he looked at me. He said, he said, you know, bless God, Brother Keith. He said, I'm in the same blessing line you are. He said, you got started a little earlier than I did in some of these things, but I'm right behind you, and my time's coming. My time's coming. He said, man, it blesses me, because this is working. I see it working in you, and I, I'm right behind you, brother. That's humility. And that's faith. There's such a connection between humility and faith. Did you know that the two people, the two people in the New Testament that Jesus looked at and said, Great is your faith, were two people that portrayed the greatest of humility. The one of them is the one we already talked about, the Syrophoenician woman. He said, Oh woman, great is thy faith. The other one was the centurion. He's a Roman soldier. He's a man in control. He's a man in command. But he went and humbled himself to a carpenter's son and said, I am not worthy for you to even come in my house. And Jesus said, I hadn't found such great faith as this in the whole of Israel. And he was talking to Jews when he said that. Glory to God. It would behoove you, it would behoove us to show humility for our own benefit and blessing. Can you say amen? amen. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Can you? Can you show impression and can you, can you receive? Can you be taught? Can you be corrected? Can you admit somebody knows something you don't know? Can you show that you're blessed and impressed? Can you? Now in these final things I want to talk to you about. And on one, one more thing. I need to say this before I go on. Thank you Lord. How good of a receiver are you? You ever heard folks say, well, man, I can give, I love to give, but I, I just have trouble receiving. Why is it they have trouble receiving? There's that old P word again. I've had folk before. I've had folk before. I tried my best to do something for them. I tried my best to do something for them, and they wouldn't let me. And he said, well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to feel like I owe anybody. What is that? That's ugly, stinking pride. You know? It's offensive. I mean, in some countries, you know, if you turn down a gift, it's just like slapping somebody with a stick. You know what I'm saying? When you turn down their gift, you're saying, I don't want your gift. I don't want you. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't like you. I don't, you're, not, you're beneath me. Understand? And even though our culture may not be just that way, there's some of it here too. It's just because it's some of the issues of reality. 
Amen. Don't ever, if you've been guilty of saying that, don't say it again. Don't say, well, I love to give, but I just, I just have trouble receiving. Why is it you have trouble receiving? Now, there are times I've had people come and said they wanted to give me this or give me that, and it wasn't right. Okay, it wasn't right. And so you have to say no. But it's just because it wasn't right, not because I felt humbled by it. And then there are times people have done something for you, and you, you have to humble yourself to receive it. You know, you hear people say something sometimes about Jesus. You know, Lord, how can I ever pay you back? You can't. Lord, I just, you know, I, I, you know I, I try to pay you back by this. It's an insult to try to pay him back. There's no way you can pay him back. You just got to humble yourself and say, Lord, I could have never bought it. I could have never paid for my redemption. I could have never made it up to you. I humbly accept it. And out of my love for you and gratitude, I serve you. Not to pay you back, but just because I love you and because I want to serve you. You understand? Some folk bless their hearts. Always, well, I got to pay you back. I got to pay you back. I've had folk say, no, 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 you don't owe me. I'm not loaning this to you. I'm giving it to you. Yeah, but now you don't understand. That's just, that's just the way I am. I just, I don't want to be beholden to nobody. <laughs> what is that? Ugly pride. And people get in the ditch on the other side of the road and they'll clean your plow if you let them. They'll take everything, <laughs> everything you've got. <laughs> Forget pride, they have no shame. <laughs> They'll ask you for your clothes and the hanger. For food and the dish. You understand what I'm saying? You know, so I mean, that's another subject. <laughs> Finally. Concerning humility, these things really show. And that is how you're able to deal and work with positions in life and in the church and in ministry. Can you give another person a position over you? Can you take a lower position under somebody else? And... Anybody can be promoted to a higher position, pretty much, you know. But how about demotion? Hmm? <laughs> how about being pulled down a notch? <laughs> being pulled back. You were being used. Now you're not. You were in the front. Now you're in the back. You were up on the top. Now you're down on the bottom. How do you handle that? Now nobody's flesh enjoys that. Okay? But how, how do you handle it? Many people respond by getting bitter. Being angry. Getting hurt. And then talking. Talking, talking, talking. But all the reasons about why they should still be in the front. But all the reasons about how whoever moved them is missing God and wrong. Hmm? Pride. Pride. 
pride. How do you handle stepping back? How do you handle moving down? How do you handle taking the back seat, playing the second fiddle, being the behind the scenes? How can how you handle that? These are acid tests of your humility. Here's one that'll for sure cause you to think. What if you do something and you do it well and you put your heart and soul into it and you're not acknowledged for it? Nobody recognizes you at all. Nobody mentions it. Oh, the thing itself is praised, but you're not mentioned. You poured your life and your soul into this. It's your baby. And everybody's thrilled with it. But your name's not attached to it. You are the one that taught it to this person. You are the one that opened that door. You're the one that put these together. As far as the natural element. For you see, if it's something done in the kingdom of God, God did it. And He did it by His Spirit. And if He did something through you, well, praise God, you got used. But it didn't come out of you as a source It came through you as a vessel. And he could have used another vessel. When you realize who did it for, you know, actually, then it doesn't bug you as bad. Because you know it didn't come from you. It just came through you. But how about this? How about, not only do you not get the credit, somebody else gets the credit. For what you did. How do you handle that? Do you jump to your own defense? Do you jump to your own justification? You have a cause. You have been denied your rightful dignity and honor. Or, can you commit your cause to the Lord? Can you leave your defense and your justification in His hands? And if He did not cause people to see how wonderful you were, realize that you might not be as wonderful as you thought you were, (laughs) and that He didn't want you to be seen and noticed. The Bible talks about both good and evil works of some men are seen beforehand. Others follow them to judgment. Good works and evil. Jesus talked much about men seeking the glory of men. And he said, how can you believe that seek honor one of another and don't seek the honor and glory that comes from God only? Jesus never sought the glory of men. He knew what was in man. He didn't commit himself to them. He didn't seek for their accolades. He sought for the Father's pleasure. He sought for the Father's commendation and the glory that the Father bestows upon those who please Him. 
And there are some, many people don't understand this, but there are some rewards that you get here in life. People notice and people, you know, appreciate you and what have you. But uh, there are other things that you do. Nobody ever sees it in this lifetime. Nobody ever recognizes it in this lifetime. And those are the greatest rewards because the Lord's reserving the best for last. He wants to reward you personally in front of the saints later on. And if you realize and have a revelation of that, when nobody notices what you did or what you said, it makes you a little excited. You go, all right. Glory to God. Now, your flesh won't like that. But your spirit, if you have the revelation, you go, all right. I'm going to get glory personally. Didn't the Bible say in the day of the judgment seat of Christ, every man will have praise of God? Praise of God. No, it doesn't mean God's going to fall down and say, I praise you. It means that He's going to look at you and go, Well done. Excellent. In front of the saints. In front of the judgment seat of Christ. Glory. In front of the angels. All of them. He'll look at you. And he'll present what you did. And he'll say, excellent job. And I'm telling you, when the Father says, excellent job, those words ring for eternity. It's not something everybody forgets day after tomorrow. I mean, it's here. And the world will put you on a pedestal today and stone you tomorrow, brother. But the praise of God endures throughout the ages. Seek the glory that comes from God only. Seek the honor, the acknowledgement, the commendation that comes from Him. Don't be overly concerned about what people say. Whether they praise you or they knock you, it's not really that big of a deal. Their words will fade and pass away. The things that count, the Lord knows. He keeps good books. He knows everything you've done. And He'll reward you. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.